Amen. The word of God. Amen just means so be it. So be it. It's like if someone was like, man, that's what's up. Or, I agree. Or, I'm with that. It's just that. So when we say amen, we're just coming in agreement. Listen, what I was showing you right there was an example of what you do in here. You see, because the only thing keeping us from Jesus and following Jesus is not our circumstances. It's not what's happening in our life. It's not. It's actually us. It's actually us. The only thing that stops us from following Jesus is us. I'll show you that in the Bible. If we can, uh, if we can get Ephesians chapter 2 up here. Ephesians chapter 2. If you got your Bible with you, that's in the New Testament. It's one of Paul's letters. And the good thing about the Bible is uh, these places are actually real places. The Bible doesn't just make up fairy tale lands. It's not all of a sudden like this is uh, adventure time and we're going to see the, you know, the gumball wizard or something. Or this is, uh, what's another show? What's another show? What's that one show? Coyote. Uh, Babe, what's that show that your, your kids watch? Your, not Kolioko, that No, no. Coco. Man, that's weird. No, I'm not talking about that one. That one's weird. This isn't a fairy tale world. This isn't like someone just made up a bunch of lands and said, that's where Jesus was at. He was on, he was on Pizza Planet, right? No, but Paul's actually writing to actual people with, with, with actual lives, with actual things going on in an actual city. So understand that, that this, is, this is written to people, just like me and you. This isn't written to to, to people who uh, would float or had little halos on the back of their heads like we like to believe in, in art. This was not that, okay? So I'll, oh, I'll just read it there. Yeah. Now, verse 2, as for you, everybody say you. Now point to you, all right? Uh, you could you point anywhere, right? So as for you, you were dead. You were dead. So that's, a, that's an interesting way, and it's a weird transition, to be honest, even, even then. But Paul, Paul, he, he's, he's getting to the point here. He's saying, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Dead in your transgressions and sin. And then it says, in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. It says, all of us, say all of us, who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of, of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich, everybody say rich. Everybody, come on. Put that sign up. What's the money sign? I mean, if you make, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever you, you think about money, man, the dollar sign emoji or whatever. See, God is rich, rich, but in mercy. So understand that. That's a good point right there. Take a note of that. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So we'll stop right there. Listen, the Bible is saying if we go to the top that you were dead. That's past tense. Paul speaking to believers. Understand that he's speaking to believers. Now, here's the thing. Some of us in this room, we're still dead. 
We're still dead in our transgressions and sins. And that's how we live. Do you understand that? We just talked about the Garden of Eden and how God said that if they ate from the, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that they would die. But that death was not a physical death. It did happen eventually, but that death was a spiritual death. So I want to let you know, some of you places are like zombies. It's Halloween, and I want to let you know you got a great costume on. You're a zombie. You're a part of the walking dead. You're literally not alive at all, according to God. That's what God thinks of us when we don't know Jesus. It's not because he's just like, oh, this person's dead to me, but it's a reality. It is a reality. You don't see right now, but there's probably like billions upon trillions of molecules in the air right now in your body. We don't see it. We don't, we don't probably understand it or comprehend it. It doesn't matter. It's a reality. You know dust and everything? That's just skin dying. When they didn't know that, when they found that out, they were probably freaking out like, wow, I'm literally dying. There are things, there are truths that we don't understand, and we may not like it. We may not like that there's a thing such as cancer, but it doesn't matter because it's here. You understand that? We may not like there's a thing such as diabetes, COVID, and all these things, but just because we don't like it doesn't make it not true. This is a hard truth for some of us, especially in this world where we think we got so much going on in our life. We think we're actually doing good. We think we're better off. The better our life is going, the better we're going. We're really feeling alive right now. We're really living. But the Bible says we were all dead. Everybody say dead. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. That means everyone, everyone from Lawrence to Josie to Libney to Jackie to Cielo to Bree to myself, we were all dead in our transgressions and sin. And some of us are still dead right now. And that's how we live. We live dead. We live dead. That means everywhere we go, we have no connection to God. We are spiritually dead. And what do we do as dead people? Well, have you ever seen the movie with the zombies? They don't really think much. So we just follow the ways of this world. You think about the trends going on in this world right now, the ways that this world is going, yet live for yourself. Self-gratification, that's the best thing. As long as it feels good, as long as it seems good, as long as you don't hurt anybody, you can do whatever you want. Get as much out of this life as you can. Don't live for God. Live for yourself. Why waste your time on a religion? Right? There's all these things that the world is pushing and pushing and pushing. Why wait till you're married to have sex? Why live life sober? It's, fu- it's more fun the other way. Hey, man, listen, screw up as much as you can when you're young and just fix it when you're older. You're just a kid. Have some fun. Loosen up. Loosen up. These are the ways of the world. And when you are dead, those are the ways that you walk in. And then, and, and then what, what, what is the ways of the world? Like what, who's, who's dictating what happens in the, with, the, with the world? It's the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And who is that? That's the enemy. And the enemy has the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. See, a lot of us... When we disobey God, we think that that's us being our own God. We think we got our own life in check. We're the ones doing everything. I'm my own God. I do what I want. Little do you know, you're nothing but a pawn. 
You're nothing but a puppet. You're a dead man walking, just following the crowd and where the world's going. Just basically strings attached to the enemy's hands. That's the spirit that's at work with the disobedience. And all of us were like that at one time. doesn't matter who you were. We were gratifying the cravings of the flesh. That means if we felt like hitting this guy, if we felt like smoking this, if we felt like drinking this, if we felt like saying that, cussing this way, uh, talking to that person this way, looking at this girl that way, if we felt like lying this time, telling the truth that time, it didn't matter. Whatever was good for me at that moment, that's what I did. We've all done that. We followed these desires and these thoughts, and like the rest, we were deserving of wrath. You see, the sin that we do, we think just because we don't get caught, just because no one sees it, just because we feel good doing, with, doing it, that means we're getting away with it. If it feels good, I didn't get caught, then that means everything's a-okay. Everything's a-okay. Listen, that kind of thinking never stops. It continues. It continues. Look at politicians, right? All of a sudden now they got, they got this dude named Hunter Biden. They got his laptop going to Russia, hiding all this stuff about child pornography and money. But no one caught him yet. He was making money. Politicians taking our money and then lying to us. That, I mean, those are older people, 80, 70, 60. You got even probably people that are in your life that have lied to you. Age doesn't mean anything when it comes to sin. If anything, sin grows even more in the heart of someone who's getting older and older. A lot of people think, man, I'll st- I'll, I, 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 got, I got people that I know, kids, right, in, my, in our, my class, in my school, even when I go evangelize, they think that they can live, right, this life that they want to when they're young and follow God when they're older. A hey, hey, sin never, this never stops being true. The gratifying of your flesh, that never stops being what you want. As you get older, you want to do it more. You want to sin more. Your heart grows more and more disobedient. So right now, I'm letting you know, you're deserving of wrath at that point. All of us were deserving of wrath. That means what Oscar preached about last week. What Oscar mentioned about God's wrath on Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't that, oh, man, poor people, God had to slap them up a bit. No, that wasn't it. It was these sinners went up against God. They hated him. They were deserving of the wrath of God. Now, here's the thing. God has love for us. Everybody say love. So we understand. Listen, guys, we've sinned. We've sinned. We've been disobedient, and it's not really you being the disobedient person, it's you following the spirit that is causing you to be disobedient. You're just following along with the spirit. But there is someone who loves us despite that. There is a great love. There is an amazing love for us. And this amazing love is from God. Not from your neighbor. Not from some boy. Not from some girl. Not even from your parents. Not from your family. See, this great love is greater than that. This great love is from God who is rich and mercy. You see, because the only way for God's wrath to be somewhat getting rid of, somewhat moved from you, is if you receive his mercy. If you receive his mercy. But a lot of us are proud sinners, and we don't want the mercy of God. 
We want to prove things our way. We want to do things our way. We want to prove that we are good on our own terms. So we accept the wrath of God, reject his mercy, and instead we continue to live a life of disobedience. But listen, God has love for us. And he's constantly telling us, and he showed us his love. He showed us his great mercy when he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in these transgressions. Transgressions are breaking trust with God. Listen, how many of us have broken trust with God? I know for a fact that almost everyone in this room has tried to live for God at one moment. For a fact. And I know that you probably said to God, God, I will do better this time. God, I won't sin this time. God, I won't stop this time. And you try to make a vow to God, and then you end up breaking and going back to the world. You're dead in your transgressions. But God, his great love, his rich mercy is able to make us alive with Christ. You see, because even though we're dead, there is one who is alive, and his grace is enough. You see, because we've worked a hard life for sin. We've obeyed the devil enough. We've gone with what we felt too much, and we've been betrayed by our own thoughts and desires. It's time for us to stop trusting ourselves, relying in our own flesh and power, and following the enemy. Let's surrender. Let's realize God can make us alive. Let's realize Christ can actually bring us the joy that we're looking for. He can actually bring us the peace that we're looking for. He can actually take these dead, this dead spirit, this dead mind, and he can give it life. And it's all by his grace. And grace is a power that can help you now. Grace is not only the thing that saves you, it's the thing that keeps you saved. So we don't have to go back to the world. Once you've said to Jesus, Jesus, save me, make me alive. I believe you died and you're resurrected. That's enough. You believe him. You trust him. You are now his child. His grace is with you. You don't have to go back to the world and rely on the works that plagued your life, that tormented you, that made you feel guilty, that made you feel ashamed, that made you feel like you weren't good enough. Because that is called condemnation. That is called you feeling guilty before God. And what God's grace does is he takes the guilt, he takes the shame, he takes the sin, and he covers you and he changes you. He makes a new person out of you. And it's all by God's grace. It's none of us. So when we mess up, all we do is go back to God's grace and we change. We change. The Bible says that God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. The reason why some of you go back into the world is because you're trying to prove yourself to other people, trying to seem holy to someone, everyone, even yourself. Listen, you don't even have to judge yourself in Christ because you look at Jesus, you look at yourself, you're like, okay, let me fix this. Okay, let me fix this. It's not a judgment like, oh, man, I'm a sinner. Let me go to hell. It's not, no, that's not how it is following Jesus. See, with the disciples, when they were with him, Jesus said, literally, you're clean already. As long as you are with me, you're clean. As long as you are with Christ, you're good. So not only does he forgive you of your sins, he changes you from who you were. And then he corrects your mistakes. And I want you guys to feel that, understand that, that there's a God who has seen your worst sins. 
He's seen your worst sins, the things you've tried to hide, the attention, the intentions of your heart, the desires of your heart. When you've said something, it meant the other thing. When you've tried to hide it from people, everything that has been done has been done in his eyes. And what he's saying is he still loves us, and he wants to remove that sin from our lives. Can I, if I can have the altar, altar workers up, please. I want you guys to be encouraged, and uh, Lawrence as well, sorry. I want you guys to be encouraged that though sin runs deep, right, grace abounds. Grace abounds. Grace runs deeper. Even though in your life you might have been plagued with sin, you may have continued to fall away and come back and fall away and come back. Listen, it's no longer about just people that are living religious right now, people that are trying to prove themselves to other people that they're Christian and all that. Listen, forget about that. You have a relationship with Christ, then you have brothers and sisters who help you. What you do is you live for him. You follow his way, no longer following the ways of the world. You look to how Jesus lived, and the gospel is this, is that his death, his burial, his resurrection is enough power to move you. And if you happen to move to the side and move to the other side, God's grace now corrects you, if you're relying on his grace, to continue walking. It's almost like God is holding your hand the whole time. If I can have my altar workers up, please, and if everyone can stand up. See, what God is doing is he's coming inside of you. The gospel is not, hey, do this all on yourself. Fix yourself up. Try to do it right, and then maybe, maybe you'll get to this place called heaven. No, the gospel is simple. God had wrath for us because we sinned. But God in his great love sent Jesus, the one that can save us from our sin, that can save us from our shame and our guilt, to die on a cross, a gruesome death, the death that we should have took. See, our death, our sin deserved death. Our sin deserved the punishment of the cross. Christ took it. Christ took the blame, and he died. And when he died, he, didn't, he took sin with him. He took the shame with him, the guilt with him. So when he raised from the dead, right, now we raise with him. We have this new life, this new life that is not identified with the world. So many people are talking about what you have to identify as, right? Like sooner, sooner or later, that's just going to be everywhere. Listen, but there's a, good, there's, a, there's a good thing, right? We take what the enemy is meant for evil and we turn it for good, right? That's what the song was saying. The, 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 the reason for identification, what you identify is so special because when you identify with the gospel, the crucifixion, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, when you see yourself in that, that there was once an RJ that was a sinner and he couldn't stop sinning and he saw Christ and he gave his life to Jesus and on the cross, RJ died with Christ and his old self was buried buried, dead, not to be dug up, and the new RJ raised from the grave with Christ. You see, there's power in that when Nate, you see yourself there, Abdi, you see yourself there, and that's what Paul is getting at. He was saying you were dead, right? Who else died? Christ. But then later on, he says you've been raised with Christ. So your dead self is dead. You can't, can't bring him back. He's dead. But your new self is living. You're alive in Christ. So you live for Jesus. 
You can, you can do this only by his grace. But that's not a bad thing. His grace is sufficient. It's enough. If you've been thinking in this room, if you guys could all close your eyes and bow your heads. If you've been thinking in this room, I cannot live for Jesus. There's too many expectations. There's too many rules. Listen, I want you to change how you're looking at it. Even if you're saying, well, I'm like this, I'm like that, I'm like this, and you're thinking of all your sin, listen, change your, change your perception. This is what I want you to think. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, and now picture yourself dead. The old self dead. That means the things that were burden, burdening you, the things that you couldn't stop doing, that's dead. That's in the grave. Now picture yourself living like Christ. You see, this is what it is. It's the dead, old self dying, the new self living. That is who you are now in Christ. We are, we're going to have a time for you to come up. But I want you guys to take a moment. Really trust in Christ. We are all, all deserving of God's wrath. But God has shown us mercy. He has shown us mercy. This is greater than anything we could ever ask for. Anything we could ever pray for this is what we need in this world your circumstances are always going to flip-flop to being bad to being good but to God now you have a good God all the time and he's with you Heavenly Father I just pray for all of us in this room God that we would not consider ourselves too great for your grace God that we would not reject your grace we would not think that there's something more to life than your love and your mercy. God, I pray that right now we would humble ourselves and just see how good you are, God. That you would love a people that rejected you. That you would love a people that did not want you. That did everything against you. That things despite you. That did not follow your ways, but followed ways that were aimed at your kingdom. Lord, what kind of love is that, Lord? We want to understand it as much as we can, Lord. Give that revelation to us that you love us, God. That in our darkest, in our sin, you sent your son to die for us. What a love is this, God. What kind of love is this, Lord? So I want to invite you guys, those that have not accepted Jesus Christ, that have not been born again, that have not repented of their sins, those that have not been living in the way of Jesus, but have been following the ways of this world, I want you to come up to the altar. I want you to come up to the altar because this is a public confession right now. We're going to do two altar calls. The first one is for people that have not been born again. See, that back in the day, what they would do is they would be publicly baptized after the preaching because that would be a public confession. Here we do an altar. And what is the importance of this? It's because you are confessing that there is a Lord in your life amidst witnesses in front of other people. So if you have not been born again, this is a moment. You may not get tomorrow. The worries of this world may come and sweep you away if you don't give your life to Jesus. You may be focused right now and say, well, I'll do this another day. That's just showing that your heart is hard. Humble yourself. 
My second altar call is for people that are, they are born again, but they're having a problem living for Christ. There's a lot of things going on that are distracting you, and you're struggling. And you see that passage that you're, as you're dead in, in your sins and transgressions, but God made you alive in Christ. And you see that, and you're like, man, I don't really feel like I'm alive in Christ. Listen, I want you to come up. You're struggling with pride, struggling with anger, with lust. Maybe you just really miss your old life, the life that is buried. That al- the altar is now open for you. So as Lawrence sings, I want to give you guys a moment to come up. Really take advantage of this time. You know, we do this every Friday. And I know some of you want to come up. You want prayer. You want to humble yourself. But there's something pulling you away. Maybe you're thinking of what other people think. Maybe you're thinking like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if it's worth the risk. I don't know if I'm willing to really forsake my life of sin and receive this new life of Jesus. And I understand that. Those are all real thoughts. But consider this. What if you did come up You receive prayer. You, right now in front of everyone, declared, I'm going to live for Jesus. And your life changed. Not just your life these 60 to 70 years, but your eternity changed. Because that's ultimately what we're talking about. We're not talking about these petty 60 to 70 years that your grandkids won't even know about. Their grandkids won't even know about. A glimp, a, a blip in mankind. We're not talking about that. We're talking about eternity. That if you make, if you give your life to Jesus, your life just doesn't change. Your eternity changes. But that's that's really something you have to consider. No manipulation here. No forcing. Matter of fact, Lawrence, you can stop playing the keys. I want perfect silence in this place. Everyone close their eyes, bow their heads. I'll give, everyone close their eyes. If you want to come up, we'll do it like that. Or how about this? Raise your hand. Close your eyes. If you have not accepted Jesus, you're not born again. You have not surrendered your life to him. But you want to. You want Jesus. Why don't you just raise your hand right now? Everyone can close their eyes out of respect, too. I want you guys to to continue to think about it. Because think about it. If if this is real, right, because I'm I'm guessing you have to think it's not real, that this isn't true. But let's say it is real. Just for a moment. You don't believe, but believe for a second. Think of, think, think of what happens. You lived the Christian life. You lived for Jesus. 
You did things his way. It's real. You die. You see Jesus. Eternity with him. That's a positive. Let's say it's not real. And that's a question that a lot of people don't think about. Or you don't think about the positives of following Christ. But if it's not real, what did you lose? What did you lose in this room? You lived for Christ. You died. But I am willing to bet everything that I have that it is real. That Christ actually did raise from the dead. See, we're, we're not to be sh- uh, pitied. We're not to be shamed. Christ is real. And he loves us and he died for us and he resurrected. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time, God, for your gospel. That, Lord, you don't forget about us. Lord, you didn't forget about mankind. Lord. You had a plan all along as we were learning about even though humanity had failed over and over again, you did not forget about us. You were faithful. You keep your promises, Lord. Lord, and I know that right now we can trust you, God. We can trust you more than the air we breathe. We can trust you more than the ground we walk on, Lord. We can trust you, Jesus. And I pray that each and every one of us would trust you and grow in trust for you, Lord. I pray that you'd be glorified in this time of fellowship, that we would enjoy it, that we would enjoy each other, Lord. That you be, uh, Lord, that you would be smiling down in heaven on us, God. Because I know there might have been some person that was saved, Lord. We know there's angels rejoicing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Listen, take your seat. I'm going to welcome. Uh